Want to know why? Ask how. Howard, the humongous. I just got out of the hospital 36 hours ago after a surgery that involved um, going under low total anesthesia. What did I learn from my stay in the hospital? American society is changing. It's going through shifts that make the switch from Republican to Democratic control of the Congress and the White House seem very small by comparison. In 1962, when I was 19, I had a kidney stone the size of a lima bean. The pain put me in a state of shock and I nearly died on the way to the hospital. How they detected the stone, I don't remember. But the only way to get it out of me back 56 years ago was a surgery that involved nearly cutting me in half slicing all the way from my navel to my backbone. Thank God they only did this to my left side. Back then, total anesthesia was as hard to recover from as a disease. Coming back to a pathetically weakened version of the normal you took two days, and you could become delirious and hallucinatory during your ascent from the depths of anesthesia's anesthetic unconsciousness. Two weeks later, I was still in the hospital. Then my temperature shot up to 103 degrees and three nurses and a doctor saved my life by packing me in ice and making sure the ice was refreshed um, during the long course of the night. I was on morphine, so I was flying. I lectured this small audience on Pablo Picasso for two hours straight. I was having a ball, but my surgical wound had become infected so they had to get me to the operating room and cut me open all over again. I was in the hospital for a total of a month. I nearly died twice. My only entertainment was the book on Picasso that inspired my 103-degree lecture, and the only productive thing I did was talk to a fellow patient in my four-bed, multiple-patient room who was in the police and inform me that back in the days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Roosevelt had used the thousands of jobs created by his public works programs for patronage. Public works were the programs that Roosevelt created to help unemployed Americans make it through the years of the Depression so they could build things of value while they, wait, while they waited out the economic downturn. Everything from post offices and city halls to building wiring up, uh, up, or wiring up the Appalachians for electricity via the Tennessee Valley Authority, and Roosevelt's public works programs were created to give Americans a paycheck with which to feed their families. But according to my uh, hospital roommate, the public works program's jobs had gone to people with connections in the Democratic Party, people who were reliable Democratic loyalists, Democratic voters. This was amazing news to me, but it was a blot on Roosevelt's character. That was 1960, my 1962 trip to the hospital for a kidney stone. But this time, in 1978, the trip to the hospital was radically different. I was diagnosed by sonogram, something that wasn't a part of the medical toolkit when I was growing up. The sonographer wasn't supposed to do this, but she showed me the picture. I had two kidney stones, one the size of a lima bean and the other the size of a pea. Most kidney stones are the size of a grain of salt. So as kidney stones go, these were the size of asteroids. And unlike my first bout with one kidney stone, 
when I was 19, I now had multiple stones. When my urologist got the sonograms, he detected hydrofrenosis, a condition in which the kidney is blocked from expelling urine down the urinary tube. If that uh, blockage goes on long enough, it can kill your kidney. So my doctor got on the phone with my assistant and ordered that I walk the half mile to the local emergency room. And here's where the change in our powers as humans, the changes that are more transformative than the shift from one party to another, kicked in. I signed in to the waiting room and put myself on the list. The waiting room was like a small bus terminal, big enough to comfortably handle roughly 50 patients. I had been there before, so I knew where the electrical outlet is. I plugged in my laptop and went to work. An hour later, they called me. They called my name, ordered me down uh, to lay down on a gurney, and wheeled me to a holding pen big enough for roughly 80 doctors and nurses and 30 or 40 patients. Most of the doctors were in a central bullpen glued to their computer screens. They were mission control for the entire entry, medical diagnosis, and room assignment process. The doctors helped me find an electrical outlet near my gurney. I pulled the laptop out of my knapsack, got the gurneys back up to go from flat to chair position, and put in another six hours of work, reading and sending emails. Five years ago, the hospital did not have Wi-Fi and allowed blocked cell phone content, or it didn't allow it, blocked content, cell phone contact with the outside world. Then they wised up and realized they'd have happier patients and happier doctors if they let folks use their electrical appendages. Those appendages, for most people, are simply a cell phone. That's not the case for me. I have a cell phone, a laptop, my own portable hotspot, so that if there's no Wi-Fi, uh, I can provide it for myself. Um, and I have two Kindles with hundreds of books and dozens of magazines and research papers. For six hours, I was in touch with people all over the world. I was moving projects forward, including my next book and three projects for the International Space Station. Uh, back in 1962, laptops and cell phones did not exist. In those dim and distant days, the only people I was in touch with from my hospital bed were an occasional nurse and my mother, who had flown down from Buffalo, New York, my hometown, to New Brunswick, New Jersey, where I was in the hospital and where I'd come down with a kidney stone. Yes, I was only a kid of 19, but I was doing research at the Graduate School of Education at Rutgers University down in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And yes, my mom was able to fly down from Buffalo or drive down uh, on a throughway. In 1962, both passenger jets and throughways were brand new advances in the powers of middle-class human beings all over the world. But back to 2018. That night was when I was on a gurney in a bullpen. The nurses, all of whom were male, interrupted my laptoping by taking blood, analyzing it in the wee small hours, interrupted me again to wheel me to a room with a CAT scanner to get more detail than what the sonogram had shown, and confirmed my urologist diagnosis. At 2 a.m. I finally got tired and they found an empty pseudo room blocked off by curtains from the pseudo rooms on either side. 
It was 8 feet wide and 10 feet long. They parked my gurney in this false enclosure so I could get some sleep. At 9 a.m. the next morning, they finally found me a room. They wheeled me into it and let me get off the gurney and into a real bed. Two hours later, at uh, 11 a.m., they concluded that I needed surgery immediately. They wheeled me into a small surgery room, put me totally out, and did not cut me in half. Why? Because of the development of arthroscopy. They ran a tube up my penis to my kidney. Yes, <laughs> painful. It contained a tiny video camera and tiny surgical instruments. I mean, thank God for the anesthesia. With the video camera, the surgeon could look for exactly the spot where the obstruction of my urine was located, then could use the surgical instruments to install a stent. In 1961, recovery from anesthetic took days. In 2018, it took minutes. In 1961, I had to be sawed in half. In 1978, there wasn't even an incision. In 1961, I was in the hospital for a month. In 1962, I was in for 24 hours, and I walked out under my own power. Equally important, during those 24 hours, I was in touch with the world. I was in hog heaven. I was moving projects forward with teammates from San Francisco, L.A., St. Louis, and London. I stayed on top of my email and stayed in touch via text messages. Talking would have disturbed the other patients. And I kept track of Trump and the world via my customized Google News page, and the website of Fox TV. No, they didn't remove the kidney stones. They may do that in another visit, but if, if they hopefully uh, got rid of the obstruction, well, hopefully they did get rid of the obstruction. Meanwhile, I was in the middle of miracles. Humans like you and me have been given dramatic new powers. We weren't in the limited world of 1962 anymore. We were in the world where the internet gives us abilities we never had before. And cell phones allow us to take calls from Beijing or Belgium while we're in the bathroom, while we're on the john. These changes are bigger than the midterm battle over control of Congress and the Senate. They are bigger in most ways but one. My hospital bills were taken care of by Medicare. In 19, I'm, 19, I'm 60, over 65 years old. Republicans from Paul Ryan and Newt Gingrich to Donald Trump want to steal funds, funds, well, they want to steal funds from Medicare and gradually shut the program down. Bernie Sanders, on the other hand, wants to create Medicare for all. Without Medicare, I couldn't have afforded this surgery. The hydronephrosis, the drowning of one of my kidneys, would have continued. The projects I lead would have ceased. So would my flow of books. And without the research done by government arms, like the National Institutes of Health and the National Science Foundation, arthroscopic surgery probably would not exist, nor would the anesthetics that do so very much less harm than those of 50 years ago, or the microchips that power your computer and mine, chips whose predecessors were developed for the military, a branch of the government, or the internet, which was developed by another branch of the government, DARPA, Technology has changed who and what we are. It has made us supermen and women. But never forget politics, government, and how it's steered made a difference in the days of Franklin Roosevelt, and it makes a difference in the age of Donald Trump. So be aware of the extraordinary way that your technology is changing your life. 
be more than aware. Be amazed, but get out there and vote. This is Howard the Mungus speaking to you from the future. It's your job and my job to make. Or, <laughs> want to know why? Ask how. And now for this infuriating, astonishing, debilitating, little off button. I think I've got it.